0: Father, I just pray over this house tonight. Father, I just declare and decree that this is your house. Father, I thank you for an open heaven above this place tonight. I thank you like in the Bible where you said the house of God. Father, I thank you that angels come from heaven into this place tonight. I thank you they carry body parts into this place tonight. Father, I believe for miracles and marvels in this place tonight. Father, we're giving you our faith. And so, Father, we are in great expectation of what you have planned for us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you know God has a plan? God always has a plan. He always has a plan. He's never taken by surprise. He doesn't, you know, the devil doesn't surprise him. He knows all his wiles, all his schemes, and God always has a plan. You know, I love, um, if you turn to 1 Peter, I'm just going to start reading a quick verse from there, but 1 Peter 1, says, knowing, in verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. (laughs) See, God has a plan. God had a plan. God has a plan. God always has a plan. That should be a relief to us. And you know what? God has a plan for you in the days ahead. He has a plan for these days that we're entering into. Nothing is shocking to him. In fact, most everything we're seeing is in this book. He already told us about it through the prophets. He's told us exactly what's coming. And so he is not surprised, so we don't need to be surprised. And guess what? He's not afraid, so we don't need to be afraid. (laughs) Right? God always, always has a plan. And I'm so excited to be a part of his plan. Aren't you? Do you realize you're part of the plan for the days ahead? You are part of the plan for the days ahead. So any of us know, um, any of us that have been spending time in the Word, we know what the days ahead are going to be like. If you turn to 2 Timothy, we'll read a little bit about it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm sure you all have heard these verses before. But know this, that in the last days, you're going to recognize a ton of this in the day we live in, right? In the last days, dangerous or perilous times will come. Why? Men. (laughs) For men. That's the first two words. For men. Because of what men are going to be like, it's going to be perilous times, right? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong. That's like stubborn. Will not be swayed, not even by the word of God. Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Yeah, and these are... So this... Should not be a shock that this is going on in the world around us, and it's probably going to get worse and worse for the world, right? But we know that's these are not supposed to be describing us. <laughs> these are not supposed to be our traits, right? These are not our traits. So don't get haughty or headstrong or become a traitor, right, or a lover of money, right? A lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. Don't let that be you. That is not our traits, in fact, it's 2 Peter 1 and Ephesians 5 tells us that we're supposed to have a divine nature. Amen. We are partakers of a divine nature. That makes us just like God. We're supposed to be acting, talking, just like God. Ephesians 5 tells us what the fruit is supposed to be like in our life, right? The fruit that's evident in our lives. Those are our traits. Though these are not our traits. Those are our traits. But it's going to be really hard to look and act like God if our eyes are always on what's happening here. You know what I mean? Because sometimes the more you're around something, the more you become like it. You know what I mean? You go to Boston and all of a sudden you're parking your car. You know, it's like crazy. You know, you just take on traits of the culture around you. And so we've got to be really, really careful in the day we live in that we remember who we are. And these are not, these Second Timothy 3 traits are not to be found in our lives. So we've got to be, we've got to have our eyes off of what's happening here. We can't be distracted by the wiles of the devil. That's He's wily. The Bible tells us he's wily. He's a schemer. He loves to dupe you. So we've got to be wise. We've got to know this word, right? So we've got to be looking at Jesus, right? If you're looking at Jesus, if you're concentrating on Jesus, if you're looking toward your home in heaven, right? If you're keeping those things in mind and taking your rightful place as an heir of the kingdom, a joint heir with Jesus, then the stuff around here is not going to bother you, right? Right? Because this is not our home, people. This is not our home. We are not of this world, right? We are just living here temporarily. But you know what? We have a purpose while we're living here, right? Because God has a plan. God has a plan. So tonight, I'm going to really concentrate on a verse that probably most of us, if you grew up in church, you learned it in children's church, okay? So it's not going to be a new verse to you, but we're going to like dive in, right? Second Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. This is God's strategy for you in the days ahead. This is God's strategy. Let me say it again. Everyone look at me. You are God's strategy for the days ahead. You are because of what you've been given. You are God's strategy in the days ahead. Remember we said God always has a plan. He always, always has a plan. How many generations, how many hundreds of years was it prophesied that the Spirit would be poured out on all flesh? Hundreds, hundreds of years, hundreds of years. Even Jesus said, stay until you receive the promise of the Father, what the Father promised. It was a promise. So God had a plan. God had a plan. And when he poured out the Holy Spirit, me with the Holy Spirit is God's strategy for the day we live in. You with the Holy Spirit is God's strategy for the day we live in. When Jesus went to heaven, he didn't say, I'm leaving you this, 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 and this, and I'm going to send you this, 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 and this. He said, I'm going to send you the promise of the Father. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have power. (laughs) That's God's strategy. You and the Holy Spirit are God's strategy for the days ahead. Amen. 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 God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. All right, so let's take this piece by piece. A spirit of fear does not come from God. Now, I'm just restating the verse I just told you backwards, right? God has not given you a spirit of fear. So a spirit of fear does not come from God, right? So God hasn't given you it, so don't take it. God gives good things, so if he's not giving it to you, he doesn't want you to have it. Have you ever had a, a child that had something in their hand and you don't know, didn't know where it came from because you didn't give it to them, or you know your husband picked up something to eat and you don't know where it came from and, and you said, put that down right? Your kid, they're about to put something in their mouth, and you whack it out of their hand, you know? I totally believe that's how God feels about fear. He's like, put that down. Don't even touch that, right? Because it's, why? Because you, why do you do that for your children? Because you think it will be harmful, right? Fear is harmful, and God's saying, put that down, put that down, get that out of your hand, right? At the beginning of this year, Back in January, God told me, I need you to have a no-fear year. That was before all of this, all of this craziness. I need you to have a no-fear year. And he said to me, you have to treat fear like your enemy. And I was like, well, I know fear is my enemy. And he's like, you need to treat fear like it's trying to kill you, because it is. So if I feel any kind of fear coming on me, I put that down. I put that down. I get rid of it because it's trying to kill me. Do you understand? That's how serious God is about it. He has not given you a spirit of fear, and he does not want you to take it. Do not take it. Do not receive it. Fear is defined in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary as a painful emotion excited by an expectation of evil. Now, nothing about that definition speaks about God to me or anything God would want me to have. Right? The whole thing is bad. Painful? Expectation of evil? No. When I first read this definition, I could see how fear was unbelief shrouded in a lie. Let me explain. Let me say that again. Fear is just unbelief shrouded in a lie. Let me explain. The lie the devil is trying to get you to buy, that you should expect evil. God doesn't tell you to do that. God doesn't tell you to expect evil right? So it's a lie that you should expect evil. That's not how God talks. So there's the lie, right? And then the unbelief that it's covering up is that God is not your refuge. If you're expecting evil, then God must not be big enough to protect you. If you're expecting evil, then he can't keep evil from you, which I can give you verses on all of these, right? Psalm 91, right? If you're expecting evil, then you're probably not expecting that God can deliver you from the devastating effects of that evil. Because no matter what comes my way, my God is big enough. He's big enough to take care of any effects that would try to touch me. As evidenced by my sister. Most of you know her story. God is big enough to take care of any effects that the devil tries to bring our way. He's big enough. So we can't be... That, that fear, that expectation of evil, that, that should not be God's saying, I'm not giving you that. I'm not giving you that painful emotion that expects evil. That's not from me. Put that down. Put that down, right? Put that down. You know, the devil's really good at, and if you think about it, this fear that I'm talking about that comes against you will try to fight all three of those other elements, Let me explain. When you get into fear, you're not thinking you have any power. When you get in fear, you're not operating in any love. Or when you get in fear, you're not thinking about the love of God. Because if you were, fear would vanish. When you realize how much, how deep, how high, how great is his love for me, fear just goes right out the door. So when you're in fear, you forgot about your power, you forgot about love, And I can guarantee you, you don't have a sound mind, right? How many of you have done something really stupid because you were afraid? (laughs) Yeah, Kelly, thank you. Yeah, right? Yeah, you're not in a sound mind. You don't think right. You don't think right when you're in fear. You do crazy stuff. You do crazy stuff. So you're not, so fear fights all three of those other elements. It tries to get, because if it can take you out of those three elements, then it has you. But any one of those elements will get you out of fear. Any one of those will defeat fear in your life. Any one. All right, so let's go on. The other definition in the 1828 Dictionary for fear was the passion of our nature which excites us to provide for our security. I thought this was really good definition. Fear, the passion of our nature which excites us to provide for our security. When people get into fear... Don't you think their first response is often, got to take care of myself? When I'm in free, I mean, I got to take care of myself, you know? So in essence, they take themselves into their own hands. So in essence, they become their own God. I'm going to take care of me. I can take care of me better than anybody else can take care of me. See, fear is not from God. Fear is not from God because it's going to make you become your own God. And that's not the plan, right? How many of you can do better than God? Oh, yeah, I didn't think so, right? No. God can do better than us, right? Because he's big and he's mighty. And we will never compare with him. No matter how smart you think you are, you're never going to be smarter than God. But he will always, always be smarter than all evil. Don't you just love that verse in the Bible that says, if they had only known? I mean, to me, that's kind of like God just like, you know? If he had, if they had only known, they would have never crucified Jesus. God is so smart. I'm so, like, proud of him. You know, I just think he's so cool. He's just so smart. So, when people get into fear, their first response is to provide for themselves. They take themselves into their own hands. But that is not the plan of God. He does not expect us to receive fear, to listen to fear, or even allow fear to talk to you. If you realize fear was a spirit... Remember he said he hasn't given you a spirit of fear? If you realize that little demon was speaking to you, you would get so mad. He has no right to even talk to you. Who does he think he is? You are a child of the Most High God. You know what these scriptures say. That verse that says you'll cast down everything that exalts itself against your God, against the knowledge of your God, You should get so mad that something would come to try to tell you that it's greater than your God. Is it only me that wants to take up for God? Yeah, I'm like, I want to take up for God. Like, no, don't even speak to me. You don't even have the right to speak to me. You are not my God. Get away. Put that down. Put that down. Right? So when fear comes, our first response should be to go to the word. What does the word say? What is God telling me to do about this? It shouldn't be searching my own mind, like what do I think is going to work? You remember that verse in Proverbs that say there's a way that seems right to man, (laughs) but the end is destruction. The last part of that verse is such a downer. (laughs) Like you can think this is going to work, you know, like, you know, you're just going to tell off that coworker. The next time she does that, I'm going to tell her off, and I've got it planned in my mind what I'm going to say, and I'm going to put her in her place, (laughs) right? Well, how many of you know that never works? Right? The end of that is destruction. Because immediately after you do it, you feel bad. Right? Because you just, you just worked for Satan. That's a sick feeling. Isn't it? Yeah, it's just not a good feeling. So when fear comes, no matter what, no matter what we're facing in this world, no matter what, all the things you could think of right now that's happening, your first response should be to go to the Word to see what it says you should do, to see what it says about the situation, how you should handle it, and casting down any other thought that would dare exalt itself against the knowledge that you find in here. No matter how much you think it will work, it will not work. I tell people all the time, disrespect will never reap respect. So there's a bunch of people out there right now that want respect, but they're not sowing respect. This is a sowing and reaping kingdom, guys. Jesus, God made it that way from the very beginning. So you can't sow disrespect and expect you're going to get respect. You might get it temporarily, but I guarantee you it'll be fleeting. Because everything in this world is. But you do the eternal things, you do the eternal word, that word will stand the test of time. That word will stand the test of time. All right. So let me remind you that we are the ones to whom this earth belongs. You are God's plan for the days ahead. You, with the Holy Spirit, are God's plan for the days ahead. You, This earth has been given to us all authority in heaven and earth, right? Jesus said, I give to you. Now go. Right? This earth is ours. No fear, no timidity, no shrinking back. You know, I think it was Lester Summerall one time, I think I must have read it in one of his books. I think it was him. Don't quote me. But there was somebody who wrote, one of our great men of God said, when somebody tells you there's a boogeyman behind that door, you know, like a demon or whatever standing behind that door, you shouldn't be fearful, timid, or shrink back. We ought to be those that open the door and say, where is he? Because that's what we're about. He's a nut. He, we're more powerful you with the Holy Spirit is more powerful than any demon on this earth. Any demon. But you've got to know what's yours and you've got to practice it. Right? You've got to train in it. So those little things, like, remember I said you've got to have a no fear year? So you've got to attack the little ways that God, that, that the devil comes to get you to fear. Like, I don't, the little ways. You, you all know, every day we go about and there's little things. You've got to get in the practice of attacking those little things. Because as you get rid of the fear over the little things, you'll grow. Every, you'll go a level up. And now you'll handle fear at this level. And then you'll handle fear at this level. And then there'll be nothing that can stop you. And we're going there tonight. Amen? Amen. We're going there tonight. All right. So greater, we all know this, greater is he who is in us. Now, a second ago, when I said, there's no demon on earth that's more powerful than you, I didn't get a whole lot of amens on that. It was almost like you were afraid to say it, you know? But we quote verses like, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. We as Christians quote that verse all the time. But now we actually have to believe it. Now we actually have to start operating in that verse. Because you're going to go out those doors and there's going to be pestilence. The Bible tells us, right? There's going to be headstrong and haughty people. There's going to be murderers. There's going to be all kinds of things out there. And you got to know that greater is he that is in you than he who's in the world. It's not just a a nice verse we memorize. It's a training exercise (laughs) that we have to partake in. Right, we've got to go out there and actually walk it out. Right? We know we have nothing to fear. Can I say that again? You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. The Bible is God's word. Can God lie? No, no, God cannot lie. And He says, No weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Get that in your soul. Get that in your mind, your emotions. No weapon formed against me will prosper. That's Isaiah 54, 17. How about Luke ten twenty nine? Nothing shall by any means harm me. Nothing shall by any means harm me. Nothing. So these aren't verses. I know these aren't new. These aren't new. You've heard these before. But again, they can't just be verses we heard in church. You have to walk out the doors with the knowledge, the understanding, and the faith. We're talking about a house of faith, are we not? With the faith that nothing shall by any means harm me. No matter what the doctor says, no matter what they say, no matter what the news says, none of it. Nothing shall by any means harm me. It's just a choice on who you're going to believe. See, it's a fight for your faith. There's a fight. It's a good fight of faith. It's a fight for your faith. What are you going to believe? Yeah, but, I mean, Nikki, look at it out there. Why? I'm looking right here. This is where I live. This is what's truth to me. I don't need to look out there for them to tell me how my life should be. This tells me how my life is going to be. I receive this as the truth for my life. I receive this. I receive this. God, I receive this. Nothing shall by any means harm me. Nothing. Nothing. So we've not been given a spirit of fear. Right? Put that down. Put that down. You've not been given a spirit of fear. Right? So, what have we been given? A spirit of power. Woo! It's gonna get good in here tonight, Joseph. It's gonna get good in here tonight. Say that. Power! Power! power. power. This word literally means miracle working force. Now say that. I've been given a spirit of miracle miracle working force. Now say it like you mean it. I've been given a spirit of miracle working force. I've been given a spirit of miracle working force. I've been given a spirit of miracle working force. It belongs to me. God gave it to me. No man can take what God gives you. No man. He's given me a spirit of miracle working force. Jesus showed us all through the Gospels how that power sounds, looks, acts, right? And then in the book of Acts, we see that spirit of power operating in people like you and me, fishermen, accountants, (laughs) normal, ordinary people. Remember, you, with the Holy Spirit, are God's strategy for the days ahead. You and the Holy Spirit are God's strategy for the days ahead. You have been given a spirit of miracle working force. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, this power is more than enough to defeat every one of God's enemies because they're not just your enemies. They're God's enemies. Does that make it a little bit different to you? You know, sometimes you like put up with people, but if they attack your wife or they attack your kid, it's like, you know what I mean? Well, they're God's enemies. They're your God's enemies. So you should be mad about it. You should be righteously angry. That guy is a loser. Satan is a loser. He lost. And he's still walking around like he won. I mean, isn't it about time we put him in his place, church? He is a loser. He lost. In fact, Jesus is sitting on the throne waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. Right? Yeah. So let's do our part. Let's put him where he belongs. You have power. Say it. I have power. I have power. power. Now you've got to keep saying it until it becomes revelation to you. You can't just say it tonight. You've got to go home and say it to yourself. I have power. I have a spirit of power. I have a spirit of miracle working force. I have the Holy Spirit. In case you're wondering, I have the Holy Spirit. So I have power. Because Jesus said, when I get the Holy Spirit, I'm going to receive power. And I believe him just childish enough to actually believe Jesus. He said when you get the Holy Spirit, you will have power. I have the Holy Spirit. I have power. You have to say it. You have to keep saying it to your Guys, we have to keep saying this to ourselves until it rises up on the inside of you and the power and the glory that's in you comes on you. You know what I mean? Because it's all in there. And so it's got to come on you. It's got to come on you. It's got to just rise up and overwhelm every bit of you until you begin to operate in this power. So you've got to keep talking to yourself. We've got to keep talking to each other about it. We've got to keep talking to each other about it, that you have power. You know, if, 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 if one of my sisters comes to me and says to me, you know, I'm having a hard time at work, you know, they're, they're not giving me any shifts. Whoa. No, you will prosper. This is a year of supernatural increase. We're gonna pray about that. We're gonna transact some business. So grab hands and transact some business. Amen. Right? The devil has no right to keep money from you. He has no right to keep favor from you. Now, I mean, we gotta do our part. I mean, if you if you're gonna like want the benefits of being a Christian, everybody around you should know you are one. You, know. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So we gotta do our part, but the 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 devil has no right to keep anything from you. So we got to come together and encourage one another. And then do business. <laughs> we got to do business for the kingdom. <laughs> All right? So we got to have this kind of mentality. You have power. You have miracle working for us. There is no reason for you to fear anything. Now, when I became a parent, whoa. Faith had to go to another level. Because my son wasn't with me all the time. So I had to, like, trust God. I mean, yes. you know what I mean? I, like, had to, like, let him go to school and, like, walk away. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, okay, God, you're on, Amen. you know? I mean, I was serious, too. Like, Lord, you're on. I'm not there, so you're on. So you you better do your job. I mean, you better do your job, God, because you said, you know, and I would bring up Scripture, you know? Because I I, I had to quote it to myself. Faith had to go to another level for me. We have power. So why I was saying that is your kids aren't always with you. Your kids aren't always going to be with you. So instead of getting fear, why don't you actually release power? (laughs) You know, if you think they're not living right, release power. Right? Release power. You have miracle working force. You know what the greatest miracle is? That God can transform a heart. Yeah. That he can take a cruddy unbeliever that's just a punk and change their heart. Yeah. You know the Bible calls it taking a heart of stone and turning it into a heart of flesh. Yeah. That's a miracle. I can't do that, Joey. You can't do that. We can't do that. None of us can do that. Guess what, guys? We need God. Yeah. We out there, they need God. We we can't go out there and do anything about their hearts unless the power flows. Because the power is the only thing that can touch a heart and transform a heart. And we have to have God. He's our vital necessity. We have to have him. We have to have him. The earth is crying out. Romans 8, 19 says the earth is crying out for the manifestation of the sons of God. Like... Where are they? Where are they? We need them. The earth is crying out for us like we're crying out for God. Because we have God. We have everything we need for the day we live in. In us. Everything. God said he'd given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. It's all in you. But we've got to learn to operate in it. We can't keep coming to church and hearing the word and then not doing it we hearing the word and believing it in our minds, but it doesn't change how we act. Like, oh, I know the Bible says, but. Well, I know the Bible says no weapon formed against me, but. God's trying to take us somewhere great. Yes. You know, he tried to take the Israelites into the promised land, into the promise. And we have a promise. We have a promise of what this, that we are going to be a glorious church. That means filled with the glory of God. And people are going to come from afar to church. <laughs> this is a promise in the word, right? And God was trying to take the Israelites into the promised land. And you know they said, I'm not going. There will be people that come to church and hear the word and hear that you are the strategy. You are God's strategy for the day. And you have power. And you can go out there and say, no weapon formed against me prospers. And they will say, I'm, I'm not going there. And see, we think the Israelites were so stupid, but we're just like them. We just saw the end of the we just know the end of the story. They didn't. And see, you might not know the end of the story. You should. We should, cuz we should trust God. That's what faith is. We trust God, right? But let me tell you this. There will be a generation that goes to the promised land. But it's your choice whether you go. I guarantee you there will be a generation of us that say, that's me. That's me. I'm going there. I am rising up and I am going there. And I don't care about the giants. I don't care about the walls. I'm going. Because my God said I could. And that land is mine. It's mine. I'm taking it. So we got to rise up and take what's ours. been too long that we've been waiting on God to do something when he said, you're going to be endued with power. You know, when, that Holy, when the Holy Spirit came on the earth, I bet God was sitting up there like, oh, you know, I mean, he probably was like, I mean, maybe not. I mean, you know, we're probably more, you know, like, you know, take that devil, you know, I mean, maybe he was more like, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what he was like, but I can guarantee you he was excited. This was something he had been promising for hundreds of years. And here it was. And now today we're like, oh, yeah, Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah. I heard about that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. All right, so we've been given the spirit of miracle working force. Say it one more time because I just love to hear it. We've been given a spirit of miracle working force. Woo! Let's take it. Let's take it. All right, next, what else has God given? He's given you a spirit of love he's given you a spirit. This is his strategy. We're talking about God's strategy for the day we live in. This isn't just like, oh, it's love. No, he's giving you a spirit of love. Why? Because love casts out fear. Love casts out fear. Now, in the day we live in, there's all kinds of wacky definitions out there. So let's take it straight from the word. You know where I'm going. 1 Corinthians 13. I think it's good. Peter said, I'm going to put you in remembrance. I'm going to remind you. Paul, Peter, they both said it. So let's go to the book. 1 Corinthians 13 and find out what love is. Okay. I'm going to start in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. That means you can give a great-sounding speech. But if it's not motivated by love, it's just dong, 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 dong to people that, you're, that are listening to you. Anybody heard anyone like that lately? Yeah, I have. I'll be honest, I have. There's a, lot, a whole lot of people out there talking, not from a motive of love. It's a motive of give me mine. Yeah. They're just a clanging symbol to me. Disrespect will never earn respect. Though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. I think the Amplified says good for nothing. I am a good for nothing. Because it's all about love. None of those things matter if it's not out of love. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor... Now, if you saw somebody giving all their goods to feed the poor, wouldn't you be impressed? And though I give my body to be burned, that sounds like so, you know, good. Good deed. But I have not love. It profits me nothing. That means it profits nothing. It earns nothing. Here's love. Love suffers long and is kind. How about I say that one more time? Love is kind. Love is kind. That's pretty simple, but love is, love is kind. Love is kind. Love is kind, not just to one person, everyone involves. It doesn't look out for one group over another group. Love is kind to everyone. Love suffers long and is kind. It does not envy. It does not parade itself. There's all kinds of parades going on in the world today. Parade for this, parade for that. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Like you would think that was a given. (laughs) But somehow God put it in here because maybe it wouldn't be a given to us in the day we live in. It does not behave rudely. So if we're going to be a city of love, that doesn't mean we behave rudely. If we're going to be a church of love, we don't behave rudely. No matter what anyone does, we do not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Love does not seek its own. No. That goes against everything we're seeing in the day we live in. you got to take what's yours. If you don't stand up, you'll never get. Oh, really? Love does not seek its own. No, I'm not saying there's not anything wrong. Because you gotta, sometimes you gotta, you gotta get out there and you gotta make your voice heard. Because sometimes they're not listening. So I'm not against that. But if I do all that and I don't have love, it profits me nothing. So I have to do all of that in love. Love does not seek its own, love is not provoked. (laughs) That's a toughie. Oh my goodness. (laughs) You go out there, they just provoke. They're just, oh my goodness. It's like they purposely try to provoke you you know they're purposely trying to provoke the police some of them we had a police officer tell us he's been to war he's been to boot camp and he's never felt intimidation like he felt from some of the protesters that he had to deal with they would get in his face and say I'm going to go to your house I'm going to find your daughter and I'm going to kill her and they have to stand there and not do anything Because they just want them to do something. Love is not provoked. Love is not provoked. Love is not provoked. We should be praying for everyone, but. Love thinks no evil. In the Amplified it says, keeps no account of evil. Like how many times I've been wronged. Because guess what? If you start counting how many times you've been wronged, you're going to do wrong <laughs> keeps no account of evil in fact the amplified says pays no attention to a suffered wrong this is bible talk yes. i know it doesn't go with our culture but this this is bible talk mm-hmm. love pays no attention to a suffered wrong cuz you know what it doesn't matter what they do to you your God is greater Amen. they can say they're never going to give you a raise And God can remove that person that said they'd never give you a raise. God is greater. So we, we we just don't care. We just don't care. Jesus said, don't care. Love rejoices. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. We don't rejoice when bad things happen, ever. Ever to anyone. I don't care who they are. We never rejoice that bad things happen. We rejoice in the truth. We rejoice in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. That means love never ends. Let me rephrase. You've been given the spirit of love. And that love will never end. It will always be in you. It will always be there when you need it. It will always be there. You've been given a spirit of love. No matter what you come against in the days ahead, you have a spirit of love. You have the spirit of love. Of love. You can love no matter how hard it seems. You can do this. Say that, I can do this. I've been given the spirit of love. You, I have, say it, I have the spirit of love. Remember, it's not just fanciful. This is God's strategy for the days ahead. He gave you a spirit of love because he knew you would need it and they need it. I'll remind you of something... That Jesse Duplantis wrote in his book when he went to heaven. Jesus turned to Jesse and said, Jesse, my worst day is still ahead. Your Jesus, who was beaten for your sins, I mean bloodied like no one ever before, crucified on a cross, said his worst day is still ahead. What day? When he has to send people to hell. That's his worst day. So, even if you think you don't care about those people, care about your Jesus. He doesn't want to send one person there. We cannot even comprehend what that will be like. You think this is bad? That's nothing compared to hell. This world we live in is nothing compared to hell. Hell will be the absence of God and everything good. There'll be no life, there'll be no light. There'll be no rest. There'll be no peace. There'll be no health. There'll be no hope. It's going to be bad. And Jesus doesn't want to send one person there. So his strategy, he's giving you a spirit of love. Because that love can change everything. That love changed you. It changed me. I love because he first loved me. His love changed my life. Getting a revelation of his love helps me love. Because he's just awesome. He loves. He is love. If you don't operate in love, you're not operating in God. Because God is love. God is love. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 12, Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. This was a warning to us. Who else has love but Christians? Nobody else has agape love but us. This was a warning. Lawlessness is going to be extreme. It's going to be like nothing you've ever seen. It's going to be at an all-time high, lawlessness. It's going to abound, Jesus said. And because of that, the tendency will be for love to grow cold. That's a warning. Don't let your love grow cold. No matter what it looks like out there, don't let your love grow cold. Remember, if you let go of love, you're letting go of God. And he's the only one that can make a difference. Think about that. I just said, if you let go of love, you're letting go of God. And he's the only one that can make a difference. So that spirit of love in you is the only one who can make a difference. If we're not operating in love, we cannot make a difference. A real difference. An eternal difference. The difference that transforms men's hearts. Because you can't legislate that. You can legislate all kinds of things, but you can't legislate for a heart to be transformed. You cannot. That takes God. That takes the love of God. So we've got to love. How do we do this? (laughs) When they're crazy, how do you do this? Can I give you a starting point? Pray for them. (laughs) Pray for them. There's not been one person who was an irritation to me that when I prayed for them, I didn't start crying for them because I so wanted God to work in their life. When you take the time to pray for that person, all of a sudden, the compassion of God will come on them and you get an awareness that they don't know God, yes. that they are going to die and go to hell if, if something doesn't happen in their life. That's love. Yes. And when that love comes on you, that that compa- Remember, Jesus mo- was moved with compassion and did miracles. It records it that way a number of times, twice at least that I know of in the Bible. When he was moved with compassion, he just started doing miracles. We have to be moved with compassion. And sometimes that, the simplest way to get there is to pray for them. Pray for them. Pray. This is a house of faith and a house of prayer. Yeah. Because when we believe this word, that this is God's strategy, then we'll actually do it. And we'll actually pray so our faith turns into our speaking yes. and our transacting business for God, for Jesus, for people. Love realizes that God is needed on the scene. And it's amazing how when you pray for someone, you just can't wish them ill. Yes. You just can't. When you get the heart of God, you, all you want is good for them. Yes. You just want them to know him. That overwhelming compassion. All right, last one. We're almost there. Can you give me a few more minutes? (laughs) God has given you a spirit of a sound mind. He's given you a spirit of a sound mind. Now, I know this is crazy because I've been out there. And sometimes when I go out there and I hear the crazy, this anger just rises up on the inside of me. I just get so that angry feeling. And then I have to breathe and say, okay, no, no. I'm not, I am not going to get angry. The Bible says the wrath of man never accomplishes the righteousness of God. <laughs> so I think about that verse. Me being angry isn't going to help anybody. And he's giving me a spirit of a sound mind. That sound mind means discipline. It means self-control. You have a spirit of self-control. You have a spirit of self-control. Yes, you can control your temper. Yes, you can control yourself. Yes, you can control. You've been given a spirit of self-control. Yes, you can control yourself. So if you're going to come to a pastor and tell us that you just can't control it, don't come to me. (laughs) Because I'm going to tell you, yes, you can control it. You've been given a spirit of self-control. And I'm going to speak that over you. Not in judgment, but in encouragement. You've been given a spirit of self-control. Yes, you can control yourself. You can. You have the spirit of self-control given to you. You've got this. And that spirit is going to keep your mind on the word of God and the faithfulness of your God. So you're going to keep your mind on, nope, God cannot lie. And this is what he said. And so that's what I believe. And that's what's going to happen in my life. That's what's going to happen in my kid's life. That's what's going to happen in my grandkids' life. Right? Your mind gets stayed on the word. You control your mind. Sometimes your mind can just run out of control. You've been given a spirit of self-control. You can control your thoughts. You can. You've been given the spirit to do that. And then not only that, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of the anointed one. Think about that. You have the mind of the anointed. You have the mind of the anointing. That means you can be mindful of the anointing everywhere you go. You can enter crazy land and be mindful of the anointing that you're carrying. Because that anointing can change everything. It can, you can walk. You can walk into a room and everything changes. Because you're mindful of the anointing. You're walking in with a sound mind. That you know who you are in Christ, and you know what you have to work with. and You have all the power. God didn't give you any, he didn't think there was going to be any power left to give you, because he gave you all of it when he gave you the Holy Spirit. The spirit that created the world lives on the inside of you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You have miracle working power. You have resurrection life power in the spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus out of the grave, stood him up on his feet, is in you. That same spirit is in you. And so your mind has to be stayed, right? Because you have a sound mind. Now, a sound mind requires sound doctrine, you got to keep your sound mind on your sound doctrine. That means you can't go out there and just listen to anybody say anything. You got to you got to know what sounds like God and what doesn't. That's why you got to come back to the sound doctrine and keep your mind on this. That's why he said think on these things. Think on these things because he knew what would happen if you thought on those things. You'd be crazy. You act crazy. Right? You don't go out and make a difference. And he needs you. You are his strategy for the days ahead. So we have to operate in these things. Our mindsets each and every day should be to go about as ambassadors of God and his kingdom. Jesus said, if I was of this world, I would fight. But I'm not of this world. Guys, if we were of this world, we'd fight like them. But we're not. Why? Because we're going to actually make spiritual progress, which will make eternal change. So we we go beyond what they can do, and we go into the courts of heaven, and we get things done. You know, some people might go on the streets or go to the courthouse, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But guys, we have a higher place to go. We go into the very courts of heaven. We go into the throne room. And we make a difference. We're ambassadors of the kingdom. We don't fight like they fight. We fight spiritually and we make spiritual progress. Too many people are thinking about themselves, taking care of themselves. Remember, when you get in fear, you do that. But Jesus said he was a servant of God. He was a servant of God. So we got to walk around with the mind that says, I'm a servant of God. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. I'm going to say what he tells me to say. Lastly, God gave these to us. But that doesn't mean you took it. Anyone ever tried to give you something, and you're like, no thanks? God's done everything he can to make you exactly what you need for this day. But it's time that we operate in what we have. So we got to go out those doors tonight, and tomorrow when you wake up, and you've got to operate in power. You've got to operate in love. You've got to operate in a sound mind. You've got to actually do them. You've got to practice and keep practicing. Keep practicing love. Keep practicing power. Stay out of fear. Stay out of the flesh. Stay in the spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray over the message. Father, I just thank you for this message tonight. Father, it was simple. It was simple. Father, it's a verse that we know, but I thank you, Father, that you opened our eyes to it. And I thank you, Father, that we're walking in the truth and the power of it. Father, you said that your words are spirit and life. So, Father, we take in spirit and life tonight. And, Father, we know it's going to change us to our very core. Father, we give you our minds and our hearts and our very lives tonight. And, Father, we purpose to go out and be who you called us to be and what you need us to be. Father, you need us to be the vessels of mercy that this world needs and that you need. Father, you need us to be the vessels of mercy and the vessels of power to heal this hurting world. Father, you always need a man, and we need you. So, Father, I just pray each and every person in the sound of my voice, Father, would Father, take this word. And let it change the way they think, the way they live. And Father, let us be that glorious church. Father, don't, we want it to be our generation. Father, we want to see marvels and wonders in our generation. So Father, we press in to operate in power, to operate in love. Father, to operate in a sound mind because your spirit has been given to us. Miracle working force love. You yourself, Father, have been given to us to make a difference. So Father, we thank you for it tonight. We thank you that we are difference makers going somewhere to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.